Good morning, everybody. I shall begin with the words that all congregations dread. Please turn to the book of Malachi. (laughs) Don't panic. It's the last book in the Old Testament, just before the blank page, before Matthew. If you've got a Bible, please try and get there more quickly than someone with a phone next to you. (laughs) The book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. Earlier this year, I discovered the series Designated Survivor on Netflix. I love it. The only problem is that when the first series finished, I had to wait months for the second series to start. And by the time it came, I'd forgotten what had happened. (laughs) What was going on? Who was who? What was the story? What was the plot? What were the lines? Fortunately, the second series began with a recap of the story so far to remind me what was going on. And God does a similar thing with his story of salvation. The second part of which is subtitled Peace on earth to all mankind. In Luke chapter 1, we read about this story and it's brought to us by the messenger, God's messenger, the angel Gabriel. But that part of the story, the second series, is 400 years later than the first part that ended. Not months, but 400 years been 400 years since God spoke an authoritative, recorded word for his people. So, how did part one finish 400 years before Luke? Well, if you turn to Malachi, anyone know what the name Malachi means? Messenger, thank you. Anyone know what the name angel means? Now, that's interesting, isn't it? We finish with a messenger, we begin with a messenger. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. The message to God's people, the very last words of the series. One, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. God's messenger ends that phase with the message that the day of the Lord is coming. God is coming to his people. But before he does, Elijah will come to prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. And that was the last word from God for 400 years. Now let's turn to the first words of the new series, Luke chapter 1. It's now 400 years later, and I'm going to read verses 16 and 17, part of the opening speech by Gabriel, the messenger of God. Luke 1, verse 16. He will bring many back, many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of righteousness to make ready a people, a people prepared for the Lord. 
John the Baptist fulfills the role of Elijah in coming before God arrives to prepare the people for his coming. It is said of our Queen that she thinks the whole country smells of new paint. (laughs) This is because before she arrives anywhere, someone else has arrived, a forerunner, and made the place perfect and immaculate for her arrival. Jesus the King is coming, and his destination is the hearts of people. He comes to forgive sins. He comes to cleanse hearts. He comes to give us a new heart that will love God. But first, the destination, our hearts, must be prepared. John would preach a baptism of repentance, that the people might be repentant and so welcome Christ into their hearts. Without such forgiveness, there can never be peace on earth for all mankind. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given, so God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear him coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Let's read part of the first episode of this second series, God's Plan of Salvation, Peace on Earth to Mankind, Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. Luke 1, verse 26, the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin placed to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This scene features Mary 
but its focus is Jesus. He is the one who will fulfill God's plan of salvation. He will do so by his birth, by his life, by his death and his resurrection. And Gabriel tells us 13 things about Jesus. In summary, that Jesus is God's son, Jesus is the promised Messiah and Jesus is God's chosen king whose kingdom will never end. Jesus is the hope, the light and the saviour of the whole world. He is your hope, your light and your saviour. But though Jesus is centre stage and the spotlight is on him, he's not alone on the stage. Other characters have a role to play. And Luke illuminates Mary with a lovely, gentle sidelight. Luke wants us to see Mary, to notice her, to learn from Mary, so that you and I can play our part on the stage in the story of salvation. Peace on earth to all mankind. Do you want your life to count? To make a difference to this world? To be part of God's plan of salvation so that your family, neighbours and friends can know the peace of God in their lives. In choosing the young teenager Mary to be the mother of Jesus, we see that God chooses ordinary people to be part of his extraordinary plan of salvation. God chooses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. The nativity story tells us not only who Jesus is, but who God is. He is the God of grace and favour. The God who chooses ordinary people to be his servants, to be part of the greatest story ever told. Now, of course, most children's nativity plays don't reveal all that. And I found a recent survey which actually reveals what children did learn from the nativity play. Would you like to hear some of the things that they learnt? Dominic, age six. I don't know what the three wise men brought Jesus, but I would have given him a tin of biscuits. I think Mary, Joseph and Jesus would have all liked a biscuit. William, age seven. I don't know what presents the wise men brought Jesus, but a Lego set would have been better. (laughs) What animals were there when Jesus was born? Matthew. There were sheep, horses and a crocodile. Who was the angel Gabriel? The angel Gabriel is a big white fairy. He helped Mary and Joseph to look after the baby, kind of like a doctor. Who is Jesus? Zoe, age six. Jesus is really, really old. His birthday was on Christmas Day, 2017 years ago. (laughs) Jay, age five. Jesus was a king, and he wore a crown, even though he was a baby. I think it must have been a really, really small crown. 
Well, we won't blame the children for not getting the finer points or the, the main message of Christmas, although that last one was pretty near. But sadly and tragically, so have some in the church who have put Mary and not Jesus at the centre. Mary's on the stage, but Jesus is centre and in the spotlight. This is not a mistake that Mary makes. Verse 46 in her wonderful song. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. Mary was not chosen because she was special. She was a sinner like the rest of us. She needed a saviour. She was chosen by God by grace and favour. We're told so in verse 28 and verse 30. Greetings, you who are highly favoured. Verse 30. You have found favour with God. To find favour with God is to receive God's grace. His undeserved blessing. God's favour is not a reward or wage for anything we may have done or may be. It is God's sovereign gift, undeserved and given with love. Now that God should choose ordinary people to be part of his extraordinary plan of salvation should not come as a surprise to us. Did he not choose Abraham, who betrayed his own wife to save his own skin? Did he not choose Moses, a murderer? Did he not choose David, an adulterer? He chose Israel, a very ordinary people of whom God said, you are the least and smallest of the nations. Yet God chose them to be his servants, to be part of his plan of salvation. He chose a young teenage girl, Mary. He chose some uneducated fishermen. He chooses Crawley Baptist Church. He chooses you and me to be his servants, to play our part, our role in the great plan of salvation. Listen to these words of Paul to some Christians in Corinth. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many influential, not many of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. By grace, God chose Mary to give birth to his son, the saviour of the world. By grace, God chooses us to tell the world about their saviour. And it's actually in Ephesians chapter 2 that we read why. Why does God choose such ordinary people to do such extraordinary things? And the answer is, as it's said there in that other passage in Corinth as well, it's so that we will not 
boast. It's all about God. It's his plan, not ours. It's his power, not our power. We are weak. It's all for his glory, not for our glory. The gospel, like the beauty of a diamond, is best displayed in a plain box. And you may feel that you're a very plain box, (laughs) a flawed or broken box. But that does not disqualify you from being the servant of the Lord. God chooses the weak, the fallen, the sinner, the plain box, in order to all the more highlight and display the beauty of the Saviour of the world, Jesus Christ. God chooses such people, he chooses such a church as ours, to display the riches of his grace in Jesus Christ. English Heritage have put a blue plaque on the old courthouse, Hampton Court, Richmond. Does anyone know whose life it celebrates? The old courthouse, Hampton Court, Richmond. Let me give you the years of their life. 1632 to 1723. Any idea? I'm not going to give you time to Google it. He was an architect. Yeah. Sir Christopher Wren. He played a vital role in the building of St. Paul's Cathedral, erected to the glory of God. It withstood the enemy in World War II. It is a true wonder, but it will not stand forever. God calls you and I, this church, to help build the kingdom of God, which will stand for all eternity. Is that not something to be excited about? Is that not something worth living your life for? Or giving your life for? You and I are unlikely to be remembered with a blue plaque. (laughs) But God calls you to play a part in building the kingdom of God. Whoever you are, whatever you have done or whatever you have not done, God calls you to play your part. You are needed in the plan of salvation for you are unique and only you can play your part that God has for you. There may be no plaque when we die, but good and faithful servants will hear the word of God as he speaks to them. Well done my good and faithful servant. I'd like to read a little bit of the letter that our visiting preacher brought to us a few weeks ago. I don't need to remind you that this world of mine is hurting. It is too often broken, divided, malnourished, traumatised and violated. You might see it yourselves in family divisions, past hurts and loved ones who are ill. 
Look and see a generation of younger people, far from me, a fatherless generation, lost and distant. Look at the news, look at the immigrant, alone and disorientated. Look at the broken planet, the survivor of sexual violence and the hurting refugee. Do you feel the yearning for my kingdom to come deep in your bones? My encouragement to you is this. Through the saving power of the gospel, there is the opportunity for life, forgiveness, healing and justice. Through my son's death, I've made a way for the nation to know me and find life in abundance. Life, that is what I am offering. Life, hope, freedom, joy, peace and love. It will change the world. And God invites you and I to be part of that change. Ordinary people, though we are. No Christian life need ever be a wasted life. No Christian life need ever be lived without purpose or achievement. It's never too soon to serve God. Mary was just a young teenager. It's never too late to begin serving God. Elizabeth, John's mum, well, she was elderly. God chooses ordinary people to be part of his extraordinary plan of salvation. He's chosen you. He's chosen us. And Mary shows us how to respond to God. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Servants, like Mary, listen to their master's voice. God spoke to Mary. God still speaks today. Now, you might say, well, she had an angel speak to her. Well, the message was pretty unique. And I'm not sure even God could have found that message in the Old Testament. But I wouldn't be too eager to ask an angel to speak to you. When an angel does appear, people are scared to death, and it normally means there are troubled times ahead. But if God chooses an angel, so be it. But he has spoken through his word, the Bible. And he still speaks through it today. As servants, like Mary, we should pay attention to what God is saying. Mary asked a question in verse 34. How will this be? That's good. Jesus always welcomed questions. It shows we are servants who don't think we know it all. It shows we are servants who are eager to learn. It shows we are servants who want to be the best we can be. Listen and ask questions to understand as best we can the people God wants us to be. And servants believe and obey their master's word. Mary did. But who didn't? Zechariah. Remember? An angel appeared to him. He was the priest who was chosen, given the once-in-a-lifetime honour of entering the inner part of the temple as a representative of all Israel to serve the Lord God, the King and Master of Israel. And Gabriel appears to him. And he says that 
His own prayers for a child have been answered and the prayers of the whole nation for the Messiah to come have been answered. And what does Zechariah say in verse 18? Hmm, how can I be sure of this? I reckon that when he said that, there's an audible gasp right across heaven. And just maybe one of the little angels whispered to another little angel, uh-oh, <laughs> that's blown it. An eternity of planning has just gone down the pan. I'm not sure God saw that coming. Oh, I hope he's got a plan B. Well, of course. That's not what happened. This is what happens when God's plan of salvation meets with man's unbelief. Verse 19. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. I think we know who won the argument there. Zechariah's lack of faith did not bring God's plan of salvation to a shuddering halt. God's sovereign plan marches on, with or without us. Zechariah was out of step and he messed up. And as a consequence, he missed out. And some of the joy that he might have known in sharing the good news, he couldn't speak for a while. Let us not be like Zechariah, but like Mary, who responded to God's word with the words, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Luke leaves us in no doubt not only has God spoken, but his word will come to pass. No word from the Lord ever fails. This little passage is part of the biggest and most important story, wonderful story ever told. And you, whoever you are, however ordinary you feel you are, are invited to be part of it. In God's choice of Mary, we see how God chooses ordinary people, be they plain, flawed or broken, to be part of bringing peace to all mankind, to your family, friends and neighbours. God's purpose in choosing us is that everyone should know that salvation is not from us. It is his plan, by his power and for his glory. And God commands everyone everywhere to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us not be like Zachariah, but like Mary. And say, I am the Lord's servant. Such belief is always accompanied by God's blessing. Of course, a blessed life does not mean an easy life, as Mary would discover. But hear the word of the angel to Mary, to you and I, and to this church. The Lord is with you. Hear the word of Jesus Christ. I am with you always. So in 2018, 
May we worship the God of grace, the God of salvation, and sing with Mary. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. Here it is. The letter from God to Mary. To Mary, my precious daughter, what a day you're having. I do understand how confusing and troubling it all must be for you. But I want you to know I will always hold you safe in my hand and close to my heart. I rejoice in your trust. And no matter what happens, keep on trusting me. I do not promise an easy life, but I do promise there will be a happy ending. I'm so glad that you and Joseph will raise my son. I know you will do a great job. You already know that Jesus is special, but believe you me, and I know you do believe me, he is more special than you can ever imagine. The one you give birth to will one day give life himself, eternal life to you and to all who, like you, put their faith in me. Jesus is my chosen king, the saviour of the world, who will make true peace possible for all mankind. His birth is such good news that millions of people will celebrate his coming by giving each other gifts, mostly giant bars of Toblerone. And you, Mary, have given me the very first Christmas gift. More precious to me than gold or frankincense and myrrh. The gift of your faith. Faith delights me, for by it people can know me, my love and my peace. I always bless those who believe. I'll always be with you, Mary. My spirit will strengthen you that you may indeed be my servant. To see you rejoice and sing makes my heart sing. I rejoice in you, my precious child, my good and faithful servant. Yours faithfully, God.